0: So we had this relo bash and we had some lovely engagements with people of different generations getting together and particularly our elders from church and our young people started to form really significant relationships and there was one particular relo bash where I was sitting next to a lady who was in her 80s and she was sitting next to two teenagers who were on her left and I, I wasn't you know eavesdropping or anything but I overheard the conversation because we we're all sitting closely and basically these two young 16 year olds were talking and one of the the girl said to the other to her friend she said oh I've just broken up with my boyfriend I feel like my wife's over and the old lady who was sitting next to her in her 80s who was nursing a little plastic plate full of food uh, just leaned over and said oh sweetheart I know exactly how you feel in World War II my husband left to go overseas and he never came back and I thought my life was over too but Jesus is good and he's been good to me ever since and it was really beautiful because the 16 year old Uh, turned to the 80 year old and said that must have been terrible tell me about it and what was lovely about that interaction is uh, they started both ministering to each other and all we needed for that to happen was just to create a space for that to happen.
1: Ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to the Shock Absorber podcast. I'm sorry, we've been a little bit absent lately, but I'm here with Stu. Hello, Stu. How are you?
0: Hello, Joel. Uh, It's good to be back.
1: (laughs) It's very good to be back. Um, We have been a little bit affected by a certain virus called the coronavirus. Yes. And uh, that's the reason why we kind of have slowed down on the uh, content that's coming out on this feed. You may have noticed that we put up a talk from Stu uh, two weeks ago in terms of the Shock Absorber, but... Right now we're getting back into episode seven, but I suppose before we should get into the detail and the nitty gritty. What, um, how has COVID nineteen affected you, Stu? And what are we doing as a church? And do you want to talk about that a little bit first?
0: Yeah. Well, the the, f- <clears throat> the first thing that comes to my mind is just all the people who are suffering because of this mm. virus and. It's quite confronting to see the statistics on TV and read, read them in the newspapers about just how many people have got sick and how many people are passing away across the world. And so it's, uh, for me, quite sobering to think of the suffering that this is causing. And then on top of that, the number of people who have lost their jobs and the people who've had disrupted lives, the people who are shut in and, and, and are unable to be with their loved ones, it's quite a confronting situation. And I think a lot of us have just been taken by surprise Uh, by it Um, so yeah I've been really thoughtful and prayerful for all the people who are impacted by that and uh, so far in our local church at Soul Revival we haven't uh, seen anyone develop COVID symptoms yet Mm. Um, so that's been a mercy but we're continuing to seek to reach out to people and make sure everyone knows that there's uh, that even though as a church we've been asked by uh, the government and by our archbishop to cease all our public gatherings even though we've closed our public gatherings we haven't closed our church so i think the important thing to say is that we are suspending our public gatherings but we haven't suspended church and so we're seeking to let everybody know that if they need help or need a hand that they can get in touch with us and uh yeah we've adjusted i suppose i think church yeah i think we've done really well yeah and and actually it's it's been interesting to see that this COVID crisis is exactly the kind of thing we've been talking about, Joel, over the last mm. couple of weeks. A very, couple very of podcasts. cultural shock. It is a cultural shock, yeah. And so it's like if the church is a car driving down a road, then COVID-19 is a very big bump in the road. So how does the shock absorber at Soul Revival adjust to this? Well, we basically straight away thought about trying to get our congregations to have as much continuity in our... Um, in our new digital spaces as we had in our physical spaces and so uh, we've talked a little bit about Oldenburg's theory of third places and he developed that theory in the 1990s um, around the idea of how do people in cities get together in community in places in cities where uh, they gather and obviously, as we've talked about, that's inspired us a lot with So Revival that as well as having our church services that we also create third places around our church s- services with meals and lots of uh, gatherings. But how do we do that with COVID? Yeah, it's hard. Um, yeah, well, we've put the shock absorber theory into place, I suppose, and we've asked mm. our young people, how do you think we can get some continuity with um, des- despite the fact that we can't gather for a meal anymore? And it's interesting that in the early 2000s, uh, because of the growth of the internet, the third place theory also uh, emerged with new theories called third spaces theory where people were trying to use Oldenburg's third place theory and trying to put it into practice in digital spaces and saying how does pe- how do people form community in digital spaces and so we've looked to that theory in this crisis and we've looked to our young people and said to our young people how can we move our third places into third spaces and how do we have a continuity there and so the the great news is for us as a church we've been able to see our young people lead us through this crisis with young people who are really um relaxed and uh at home in digital space is helping us to work out how to to create some online gatherings and also use zoom and creative things like that joel so um yeah our website now is is um broadcasting six services or six gatherings a weekend and each gathering has attendant kids ministry staff and and um also, Zoom meetings for people who want to as well. Yeah, and
1: we've also put it up as a podcast too, which is where we're putting all those six services up as a podcast. Yeah. so I think we've changed yeah. pretty quickly, and as you said, like it's the shock absorber kind of in action.
0: It is, yeah. Um, it's yeah.
1: been it's been really exciting for me uh, to see how quickly we've reacted, and especially under your leadership, is you're allowing us to do that. But I think that um, I really like to see how we can once coronavirus is finished, or you know, it's relax uh, the restrictions start to be relaxed what we're going to do as a church going forward after that. Like, I think it's kind of forced us to do certain things. And I think it's doing that um, across different communities and workplaces and stuff as well. But I think there's a way that we can really serve people and actually hopefully see more people come to church once we're allowed to meet physically in the space again as well.
0: Yeah, I think you're right. And, you know, your leadership with the podcasting, um, Ethan and... Mm and jai and jared with a lot of the work they've been doing with yeah. this um what i love about shock absorber theory is that young people like yourselves have the flexibility that are needed to adjust the change and i suppose that every shock absorber needs flexibility and strength and so i suppose all i'm trying to do is provide a bit of um you know biblical wisdom and try and oh, you're doing you know, try worry. and do some of that yep. and together we're working as a team really well so yeah, yeah. i'm hoping churches across the world will be able to work together with their young people and their older people might come together and maybe one of the outcomes of COVID might be that churches have a higher level of um, integration with their young people and their older people right. as people get used to working together okay. closer because I can see a lot of churches moving into the digital spaces as well and I think yeah. that's um, exciting for me to see. And this, and then
1: like obviously hopefully having more reach in terms of their message and God's, God's um, promise for them and all that kind of stuff as well.
0: Yeah I agree and and it's crazy seeing some of the people logging into some of our services. Yeah. We had someone from Qatar <laughs> log into <laughs> a service the other day. I was like, oh, okay. That's great.
1: We are actually, we should make sure people know that we are we are actually sitting together, but we are sitting on the very long couch that so we've liked to term in our services that everyone that does an interview, they're sitting at least one and a half metres away from each other. And you've also Glenn 20 ed these uh, microphones within an inch of their life. So. Yeah, it's <laughs> <that's laughs> a good <laughs> plug for Glenn 20. <laughs> yeah, we're, we're nice and... Uh, nice and uh uh, sanitized hopefully we do always talk about kind of before we start an episode of uh some a kind of movie or um book or anything that's kind of interesting us but you did have uh, one interesting one to to bring up what was the movie you wanted to talk
0: about yeah well we've all got a little bit more time these days and uh, a few of us are watching more netflix than we used to and uh, i was interested that trending on netflix is um a movie called contagion which is all about this kind of stuff and um watching that movie which was fairly confronting, but people in the movie got a lot sicker than than and a lot quick got a lot sicker and a lot sicker a lot quicker. Yep. Uh so that, you know, it was a bit of a Hollywood thing. But it was interesting just to watch the movie seeing how some people react. So so some people were like, Oh, don't worry about it, it's not a big deal and some people like go, Oh, it's the end of the world and it was really interesting seeing some of the main characters who were trying to stay the course of going, Okay, this is really bad and it's a real challenge but we've got to take it seriously but we also need to make sure we hold on to our humanity at the same time. So I found that movie
1: quite interesting. Yeah, it's, uh, initially, I mean, it's great to see in Australia that the infection rate is hopefully slowing down, but it's it, it can be a little bit scary. And I think that um, something that you preached about last week was finding our eternal security in Jesus and not different myths that people say to make themselves kind of feel better about those kind of situations yeah. and allay their fears. Um, so I, just as an encouragement, that was really, really cool that you were saying that kind of stuff. And hopefully we can do that with those kind of digital offerings that we're doing right now. Mm. Having said that, we should uh, get into kind of episode, actually, in terms of the shock absorber. So we, we talked about last um, time about developing a theology around what we were doing, or what you were doing in, as a revival. Like we always like to ask, what was the next milestone in the development of the
0: ministry? What did you see was most important? Yeah, so the movement in our thinking went from what does the Bible have to say about how we do ministry in the 1990s? And we were really convicted that Jesus needed to be the focus of our ministry and his work on the cross was very definitional for us. And remember, we talked about Matthew 22, 37 to 40, that when Jesus was asked, what's the most important thing? He said to love God and to love others. So in the 90s, we we're really keen to learn from Jesus how to, how to love like he loves us and he... Laid his, down, laid his life down as a living sacrifice sorry he laid his life down as a sacrifice and then we talked about how Romans 12 talks about our response to that in view of God's mercy is to lay our lives down as a living sacrifice so we talked about seeking to want to become less consumeristic and more servant hearted as a group of people and a little bit less individualistic and more interested in having uh, a community response to expressing our faith as christians and we talked about that in the context of jesus's sacrifice his death on the cross and resurrection meant that we've been reconciled to god and now we're reconciled to each other so rather than having to build community we all, all we needed to do was express community as best we could and we had to play around with that and had some fun and we talked about having saturday night as a place where the youth leaders thought well if we if we put aside um our most important night of the week and prioritize our faith we're actually going to seek to create something that was less transient so that people not only had an opportunity to serve and not consume and they had an opportunity to be a part of a community rather than just expressing their faith as individuals which was quite common back in the early 90s when i was growing up for christians but also that um Relationships might actually last a bit longer, and while we always wanted to connect up with other churches and seek to send people out from Sorrow Revival, we also wanted to have a place where people could develop long-term relationships with each other in a low-key way. So that that um, looking for a theory that could help us to work that out, there was a sociologist called Oldenburg, who we've spoken about, who gave us some really uh, nice principles for community. In, in a modern context like Sutherland Shire in Sydney South in mm. where we grew up but then the next challenge was if we're going to be a community how do we connect up with other churches and how do we be part of you know being part of our whole church at going Anglican Church how do we be a youth ministry that's connected across all the different services because growing up in our church there was a bit of a breakdown in the communication between older people and younger people because of the traditional service in the morning and then a family service and then an evening youth service then all the different ages weren't getting together as much so the challenge for us was how do we connect ourselves up with our whole church and then secondly how do we connect ourselves up with other churches so that I thought that the what would be the next um, thing to do is work out how do we develop theories around that so Oldenburg was helpful to create good theories around community but then we started looking around for theories about how people do connect up. And we found a guy called Alan Terrain who wrote about the new social movements that came about in the 1960s and how a lot of the modern movements that we have in our generations now came from the 60s, like the environmental movement, um, the civil rights movement, the anti-war movements, um, the gay rights movements, all these movements came out of the 60s and looking at how groups of people who were gathering around ideas in the 60s in their local areas then connected up with each other to create change across a broader area was quite exciting for us in the 90s and so terrain's ideas of what's called new social movement theory was the next step for us as Saw revival how do we do that
1: yeah okay and so obviously you you, you want to think about how you're connecting with other churches but why was connecting with other cho- churches really important to you like why did you see that as a, a thing that you it was
0: it was good to do that yeah, well, I suppose our, our early experiments in intergenerational connections were we were seeking to embrace difference rather than sameness, and we were learning so much from that. So one of the early experiments of that within our church was a thing we called the Rello bash yeah. And I don't know if we talked about that on earlier I podcasts. I don't think so, but I remember
1: the, the later versions of it.
0: Yeah, you do. Yeah, you were there for some of them. But the early, early expression of it was, well, if we're hanging out with the teenagers and we're being friends with them as you know with their youth leaders first but we're also wanting to develop friendship so they could grow up within the youth ministry to become friends with us on the saturday night community uh we thought well how do we connect up with older people too and so uh the church was very gracious in giving us um a bit of room to experiment we came up with this idea together with called the relo bash and so what we did was we we said to people yeah, at the traditional service at church and in the family service and in the youth service if you you know once a term do you want to come together on a saturday night and we have a big party with each other now when i was growing up there was a thing called the fellowship tea they used to call it and that was a time where the whole church would get together for morning tea and you know people would make cakes and cut sandwiches and nice. i actually think those cut sandwiches actually kept me a christian during <laughs> my primary school days because <laughs> yeah, right. like they were just unreal what's the best what was the best feeling Oh, dude, the the chicken mornay wow. with a bit of lettuce. That's that, a lot that, of was, that was pretty good. Wow, yeah, okay. there was some of those going around, little party pies and little hot dogs and yeah. stuff, all that kind of That's stuff. That's always good. So we thought, why don't we give that a bit of a modern twist and have a relo bash? Now, in our part of the world, a relo bash is just another word for a family party. <laughs> not bashing relatives. No, <laughs> not bashing relatives. So relos <laughs> were family, relatives. In Australia, if you're listening from overseas, Australians, <laughs> we love to shorten everything <laughs> yeah. so relative gets shortened into Rello and a bash is a party so Rello bash is a family party so yeah. anyway so we had this <laughs> Rello bash and we had some lovely engagements with people of different generations getting together and particularly our elders from church and our young people started to form really significant relationships and there was one particular rello bash where i was sitting next to a lady who was in her 80s and she was sitting next to two teenagers who were on her left and i i wasn't you know eavesdropping or anything but i overheard the conversation because we're all sitting closely and basically these two young 16 year olds were talking and one of the the girls said to the other to her friend she said oh i've just broken up with my boyfriend i feel like my life's over and the old lady who was sitting next to her in her 80s who was nursing a little plastic plate full of food uh just leaned over and said oh sweetheart i know exactly how you feel in world war ii my husband left to go overseas and he never came back wow and i thought my life was over too but Jesus is good, and he's been good to me ever since. And it was really beautiful because the 16-year-old uh, turned to the 80-year-old and said, that must have been terrible, tell me about it. And what was lovely about that interaction is uh, they started both ministering to each other, and all we needed for that to happen was just to create a space for that to and happen. In the same spot. And so having a space where people who are different to each other can come together around food was really helpful in that bash context. What was lovely about those two is that 16-year-old continued to go around to the 80-year-old's place for a cup of tea regularly right up until the time when the 80-year-old lady passed away wow. and they became really good friends. So that Rello bash was really exciting and we were feeling like there was a deepening of relationship and community through that. Uh, and then, so yeah, I suppose the the desire for embracing difference and being part of a bigger expression as well as expressing our faith in the local church was really important to us so uh, I suppose the two things that flowed from that uh, were our desire to connect up with anybody who wanted to be friends with us outside of our church as well and also because our church was getting more and more integrated uh, and people were getting friends with each other across a different generation so we started thinking about oh I wonder how we could have something that could go beyond the local church too where it didn't um watered down our commitment to our local church but it actually embraced otherness across more churches and how could we as a church be part of a growing ecosystem of ministry in our area the Sutherland Shire and also beyond across Australia and maybe overseas too. So you're kind of trying to uh, you're trying to reduce the intergenerational gaps within the
1: local church but also use those kind of concepts in building relationships with
0: other churches? Yeah that's right and the Alan Terrain theory was really helpful because he said that in in the modern world people now actually gather around ideas so the idea we have as christians is the gospel and if we gather around jesus that's a really beautiful link for us to have between other people and uh, there was a more college lecturer by the name of bill salir who gave me a book around this time by a theologian called Miroslav lafolf and Miroslav Falford had written a book called Exclusion and Embrace. And in that book, he said something really helpful, that even though as individuals we all have different identities, sometimes as Christians we look for other Christians who share our identity. So in the southern Shire, it's quite common for people who surf to look to fellowship at church with other people who surf or people who like certain kind of music we're looking for other people who like certain kind of music or people of a certain age would gather together with other people of a certain age or culture or uh, class background and what wolf says which is really cool is that you know you when you become a christian the cross informs all of your identities and even though you stay uh as someone who has been brought up in a particular area with a particular set of identities, the, the, cross, the cross informs those identities. And if we reach out to other Christians based on our Christian uh, identity, then we can actually cross other cultures. So There's, we can em- the
1: barriers that could get in yeah, the way.
0: Yeah, so we can embrace difference rather than sameness. Yep. And so we started praying and looking for opportunities to connect up with people who were different to us in the Sutherland Shire. And again, for those of you who are from outside of Sydney, um, Sutherland Shire is considered to be quite an inward-looking area in yes. Sydney, and often <laughs> people joke about us, you know, do you actually ever get outside the Shire? We and like to call it God's country. Well, people do call it that, mm-hmm. yeah. And so there's, there's a bit of, you know, banter that goes on around that idea. So for us as Sutherland Shire Christians, we felt like we needed to work even a little bit harder to reach out to people who... Uh, from different contexts, but we really prayed and asked God if He could help us to get to know people from outside contexts, and we were very blessed to have some elders at our church, the Normans, uh, Alf and Wilma Norman, mm-hmm. and they were ex-missionaries from Papua New Guinea, and. One day, um, Alf actually came around to my house and said, oh, I've come around for breakfast. And I said, oh, Alf, I'm a bit busy to hang out with you for breakfast. He goes, no, no, you're not too busy, Stu. You need to hang out with me for breakfast. And I said, why, what do you mean? He said, well, look, I love your passion for young people, but you need to have a passion for the whole world too, not just for the young people at your church. And so I was very blessed to have him as an elder who then gave us some the means, I suppose, to put some of those ideas into practice and to seek to embrace otherness outside of survival at Anglican Church.
1: Yeah, that's cool. And um, I, I might bring up the factory in this point in time. Was that? That was one of the off-site places that you you started to kind of um, use as, to do those kind of things. How did that kind of thing come about? Meaning off-site, not just not just at church, but also off-site,
0: but still in regards to the local church. Yeah, well, it's kind of related to some of these ideas because in the 80s, when I was growing up, I've already shared that it was quite rare to have people who weren't from Christian households coming along to church and it was quite rare for actual Christians who grew up in Christian households to hang around so while we wanted to stay part of Guymer Anglican Church we also thought as uh, a missional opportunity what if we also create spaces that young people can actually find a bit more accessible and right from the very beginning of Soul Revival, we met in a garage at the uh, youth minister's house in the beginning. And then we went to another garage of an assistant minister's he- house. After that first garage got closed down. And then we had an opportunity in the 90s to go to uh, a branch church of Guymer Lickin that had closed down. And we made that our own for a while. And again, creating spaces with lounges and just decorating it up gave young people a sense that this was a place they could come to hang out. The architecture was important because... Um, the architecture at Guy Anglican didn't include many lounge room areas or areas where people could sit and talk for a long time. So not really conducive to that. Yeah, kind yeah of that's stuff. right. Yeah. So all, all multi purpose uh, use spaces, which was completely fine. But with this kind of community we were exploring, we needed architecture that was going to help us to have spaces where people could spend time talking and hanging out. So we we got up to a point where we got big enough to actually afford to rent a factory just up the road in Kirawi and that was uh, the Kiriwi factory at Waratah Street and that was a really exciting time and we opened that with a relo bash with okay. the whole church coming because we wanted to say we're not trying to start a new church or do something separate to the church this is more of a opportunity to help people who aren't comfortable coming along to a church have a space that they might be able to come along to and it was really massive and it was went really really well. It is because that's where I
1: first kind of came in contact with Soul Revival yeah. Ministry was going to the factory on Friday nights for year nine youth group which we called Rev yeah. but um how did you doing this kind of
0: off-site thing
1: how were people in was there any pushback from the local your local church doing that or were they they okay with that?
0: Yeah as we said before like when you do new <laughs> things you need to somehow think of a new idea that's going to reach out to people who don't go to church and at the same time communicate that new idea to the rest of the church. And because a lot of the things we were doing were intergenerational, that was not a uh, a context of ministry that people were used to from the last 30 years at Guyon-Wranglicken because in the 60s they were. So a lot of our elders still remembered fellowship teas and all the people coming to all age, all stage church Mm -hmm. services, on Sunday at Guy but then during the 70s they started the Homogeneous Unit Principle and so they had traditional service at 8.45 and then they had 9.30 family service and then they had the youth service in the evening. And so the idea was that people who grew up and got married and then had kids would move back to the morning service. But because we're experimenting with this long-term, low-key relational aspect of ministry, encouraging people to be intergenerational, there was a bit of uh, need for us to be constantly trying to explain that this isn't us trying to go in to a different direction of the church that would make us a different church or a different expression. We're simply trying to strengthen going Anglican Church through this, and and uh, we were continuing to go on Sunday afternoon to the evening service, and then some of us were even starting to go to some of the other morning services as well. And over time, uh, under the leadership of Reg Piper, he really encouraged a lot of our families to go to the Sat Sunday morning service, which was a great initiative too. So there was a sense where just explaining that to people when when it was different was sometimes not easy. Uh because we were having also a lot of young people hanging around at all hours of the night on a Saturday night, sometimes at going wrangling like sometimes people would leave like a Coke can in the in the church or something and sometimes some of the elders would go, Oh, that you know, to our context that's a bit disrespectful that someone would do that. And so, yeah, we, we were making mistakes as well as trying to explain that this was part of what we were trying to do. I think,
1: and that's the point of the shock absorber too, right? Is to build on the wisdom from the older generations, but also, uh, you know, get the energy and youthful yeah. vitality from the young crew. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> um, yeah, exactly. So, and so, let's move on to kind of uh, we talked about that's we that was in the factory and all the offsite things were in in context of the local church. What about meeting outside the local church with other people? So how did how did all those kind of things come about, and and what did
0: that lead to? Yeah, so at, at, as the at the turn of the century in early 2000s, quite a few new relationships were starting to emerge. In the late 90s, um, some of the friends I had through YouthWorks, uh, which is the Anglican uh, youth department at, in our part of the world, uh, I had some youth minister friends. Uh, Chris Hudson from Menai Anglican Church and Chris Eggins from Narrabeen Anglican Church and we also got friends with people from uh, Fig Tree so there was a few of us starting to think through how we could do more community in our local churches and then as local church communities be connected up as Anglican youth ministries to support and encourage each other and so we started having our leadership teams getting together to encourage each other and have prayer times and share ideas and then over time we thought why don't we start some kind of a movement and again being influenced by alan terrain we thought what if we started a movement that was not breaking away from the anglican church but help the anglican church youth ministries get stronger and for like-minded youth ministries that were interested in community and interested in all age all stage ideas maybe we could get together and and encourage each other and encourage more churches so we called it a tree house because it was a fun conversation one day we were trying to say how do we how do we start something that we give it a name that sort of captures what we're trying to say? And in our part of the world, a treehouse is something that kids in a local neighbourhood might put together in in the um, in, in in a tree somewhere in their local area. They might you know get some old pieces of wood from their house and get their dad to come and help build it, and they put a treehouse up together so that the kids in the neighbourhood can all play and hang out in that treehouse. And we thought that was kind of a cool image and a metaphor for what we're trying to do we still wanted to be in contact with our local churches and with our families in our local churches but we also wanted a space where we could hang out as young people to explore being a christian as a young person in the 90s and so we started this thing called the treehouse and what that meant was that we we, it was very early on and the internet wasn't as good as it is today so we couldn't have as many conversations over the digital technology so we were constantly trying to work out how to get three or four youth ministries together that were all you know an hour or two away from each other but we have managed to pull some fun things together including a thing we called the Josiah festival where we had a weekend together and and all the different churches got together and what was really lovely about that is we got the youth ministers from each of the youth groups to speak at the Josiah festival and we're all you know equal no matter how big our groups were the bigger or the smaller it didn't matter we were just all together in that treehouse so that was a fun thing
1: yeah and no, I think that um I think I was on the back end of that too, like, um, and I, th- I suppose I found it like, oh, why are we meeting with other churches? Looking back on it in hindsight now, of what you're saying that makes complete sense. Is that you, if you're not really trying to help people express the community that we think is important as, as Jesus has given us, then w- what are you doing? Like, <laughs> what's the point of just keeping it like local to your church? I, I think that's really important. So I think I've learned that from you, and and um, that kind of stuff now but it's interesting that i wonder if the young crew knew that was happening at the time what do you reckon
0: yeah i think sometimes people see either doing stuff in the local church or doing stuff with other churches as an either or situation yeah. now um in sydney we're very blessed to have uh some really good teaching around the importance of the local church knox robinson uh, theology about the local church basically talks about the fact that local church is the place where you can actually put into practice the one another passages of scripture so it's really good to be connected and committed to your local church because you can bear one another's burdens you can love one another you can build one another up you can uh, encourage each other in the local church Uh, so it is good to be really grounded in your local church and that's a priority but then the other thing that we were thinking is that we are part of the 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 universal church or the catholic church not meaning the roman catholic church but the catholic church meaning the universal church around the world and through time and so it's nice to have some expressions that connect us up with that reality too so in sydney we had some things like uh, katoomba youth conventions that then became kick that were places where a lot of teenagers from across the city would go together and see each other Um, there was a thing called cms summer school that we had where we'd get together there was the youth works activities where they'd bring all the churches together from time to time and i suppose what we did enjoy about that was seeing that there was a lot of other people who were christian who were younger there was a thing called black stump that we used to love to go to which was a christian music festival but all of those things were sort of events what was different about the treehouse is we were trying to see if we could pull together some meaningful relationships between churches that didn't actually erode that Priority of the local church relationship in their primary context, but actually gave them an opportunity to be working together with other Christians across different churches as well.
1: Yeah, that makes a lot of sense when you when you articulate like that to to me. Um, uh, you also had friends from further afar. I remember is from South Australia and Tasmania, and we also we haven't spoken about the Aboriginal friends that we, we made at that time too.
0: Yeah, so talking about South Australia, I was speaking at a conference once, and I met Kynan Brooks from. Adelaide, and we became really good friends, and we started uh, doing stuff together across the country, and we also met some friends from Tasmania who were starting a youth conference up down there, and for quite a few years, a number of us would go down to Tasmania to help them to uh, set up a youth convention down in Tasmania. Too, it's a beautiful spot down there. Oh, it was awesome, yeah. yeah. Did you get along to any of those yeah, trips? Yeah, I
1: went once, and um, I remember we, we kind of tried to talk about like how we were doing... Saw revival and some some people were like oh this sounds interesting other people were just like no nah, that's not going to work here <laughs> <laughs>
0: that's funny yeah. yeah but it was good though hey like did you enjoy getting to know people Absolutely. from another state?
1: and I think also it's um, uh, it was off the back of I'd obviously been a, a youth leader back at, at Guymer Anglican and to be able to do that somewhere else and see like even I think it was only we were only there for three or four days and to be able to see our relationships develop with the younger crew that we were leading at the time was really really fun and really really rewarding to see them they all had christian parents but to be able to um, work together to kind of help them know more about jesus too it was actually really really exciting i like i have really fond memories of that time
0: yeah, it's good, isn't it? And at the same time, too, we had Alf and Wilma Norman again introduced us to some of their Papua New Guinean friends and Pastor Hangerbear, who was the leader of the Evangelical Church of Papua New Guinea, which is an indigenous church in Papua New Guinea. They have about 70,000 members across the country. They invited us up to participate in some of their youth ministry training. So a number of us went up there for different trips, and that was really good, too. And at the same time uh, as all this was happening, um, we, we'd teach scripture in the local high schools and one day fiona who's one of our youth ministers at Saw revival she was doing a scripture class at guyamere high school which is the school you went to yes and uh the uh the cool thing was that there was a year seven class and one of the boys had brought a bible along to scripture which wasn't very common at Me no, High? It wasn't at all, no. I don't know if you ever took a Bible to Scripture, Joel. When I, don't you were think going? So.
1: I think I was handed out Bibles, but I don't think I ever <laughs> took a Bible. I think uh, I think the Bibles they gave out in Year 7 or something, and one sat in the bottom of my bag for all of Year 7. That was probably the best way of bringing a Bible.
0: There you go. No, I'm surprised you left it in your bag all that
1: <laughs> yeah, time. Yeah, so am I, actually. Yeah.
0: Well, anyway, one of the young boys, a guy called Dougie Gordon, he brought a Bible along, and after the class, Fiona pointed out that that was kind of unusual, and d- she was delighted how he'd brought his own Bible. And Doug let her know. That his family had just moved to Sydney from Broarwanner. Now brawarana is about 10 hours northwest of Sydney, and uh, Isaac Isaac Gordon was Douglas's father. And Dougie was just saying that Isaac and his mum Eileen, uh, his his dad and his mum, had just taken over as house parents at an Aboriginal um minis- uh, at Aboriginal uh, facility called Kirinari, and Kirinari was a place a house where uh, teenagers from western new south wales could come to sydney and they could live there with some house parents while they went to school in the city
1: yeah a lot of them came to guy because it was so close to guy yeah. yeah
0: they did yeah so doug was one of those kids and he uh, just was saying how his mum and dad were christians and they weren't getting a lot of fellowship and could fee and maybe some of the people from our church go around to visit so that afternoon fee and i went round to to the gordon's place at kiranari i just want to point out i'd love it you like that afternoon
1: we went yeah. <laughs> so it wasn't like oh we thought about planning in the next month or so you're like no we're gone today yeah yeah <laughs>
0: sophie was stoked and she said oh let's go around and meet them and yeah. we went around and they were lovely they gave us a cup of tea and anyway the gordon's ended up joining going Anglican church for a time and that was a delightful season and and isaac used to bring the kids in a bus from kirinari and they used to come along to our evening service and for a while there at Guy and Wranglick, and probably a third of the gathering was um, made up of Aboriginal teenagers from across New South Wales. So uh, for quite a, l- a few months there, that, that was a really beautiful expression. And during that time, Isaac said, oh, I'm going to have to take you out to, to visit Brewarrina, Stu. Have you ever been out to Brewarrina? And I, I hadn't been past. No, a, way too far. <laughs> oh, dude, I hadn't been past a place called Dubbo, which is um, five hours away. And this was another five hours past that. And so I was delighted by the invitation, went out there. Anyway, that started a fantastic uh, time for us as a church because Isaac invited us to come and help him uh, as, as he did ministry out there. And we came in under his leadership and he taught us so many things about ministry. It was just wonderful. But he started up a thing called the River Convention and invited us to be a part of that. And that was something his elders had done. Uh, years before in the 70s where basically Christians from out west would go around to different country towns and do a convention in each different country town to give the Christians in that town some fellowship and so we'd go to places like Brewarrina and Colleen and Dubbo and Walgett and and different towns out out west and basically at one stage I was um, going out western New South Wales on these river conventions underneath Isaac's leadership probably five times a year. So every long weekend I'd go out and sometimes we'd take groups out, sometimes we'd just go out. But one one time we even took a group, about 70 or 80 of us out there and had a wonderful wow. time out on the river at brawarana And it was really exciting to see an Aboriginal expression of Christianity and to learn from that. And I was thoroughly convicted that, you know, we were really enjoying the meals we had at Soul Revival at Guimini. But I saw that every time they had a church service, they'd have a feed after every service and they'd all sit around and have a yarn and so we we're really excited about taking that aboriginal expression and bringing it to the shire and having that and that's become a really significant part of soul revival ever since so we learned so much from isaac and and our aboriginal brothers and sisters through that relationship so i think it's been something like 17 or 18 years now that we've known isaac and eileen and we still go out i don't go out five times a year now but we still go out west to to hang out with them and they come down here and we hang out together and it's been a really beautiful ministry-Christian partnership and I suppose answered a prayer from the 90s when we were asking God to introduce us to more people from outside of the, the Shire and that's really enriched our expression here at, at Saw Revival in the Sutherland Shire and, and we are also able to learn so much about Aboriginal culture and Isaac would take us to show us uh, traditional sites and teach us so many things and introduce us to some of his Aboriginal friends. We got to know uh, the slabs in in uh fingal head which is on the new south wales queensland border and um uh, joel and kyle and 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 caleb and all the guys up there and mary and sis they've uh taught us so much about aboriginal culture and um, i remember learning a song and all sorts of stuff i
1: remember learning a lot from Joel about aboriginal culture just from one talk that he gave at school while i was still at school so that was really cool
0: yeah well (laughs) we now we're now going up uh once a year to fingal head for uh joel actually runs a aboriginal surfing competition and we go up there with our caravan and spend a great weekend with them and we're still going out to Brewarrina, uh when we can get back out there after the covid problem yeah um so yeah that's been a, a delightful example of what i was talking about that rather than becoming too grounded in the local expression becoming sectarian we've been blessed with all these relationships outside of so revival as well so what is the, fun for, for people that are listening, including myself, that don't really know, what does sectarian mean? Uh, sectarian is uh, we, we've we wanted to have a long-term, low-key relational ministry here at Soul Revival, but we've also wanted to continue to be not only uh, committed to our local church, but also make sure that our local church is a church amongst churches. So within the Sutherland Shire, we've done the Treehouse and other things. Uh, in a later podcast, we could talk about a second goat we had it doing a movement Uh, that was even bigger than the first one we called that actually the soul revival jesus movement and that had about 20 youth ministry churches that connected up with that for about 18 months which was terrific there was quite a few churches in our area that worked together and it just gave an opportunity for people to have relationships with other christians from other churches as well as in their local church without watering down their commitment to their local church so it wasn't like uh, people going to poach other people from other churches because we did something together we were uh, committed to our local church and then we went as committed members of Guy and anglican to be in fellowship with other people from other churches so that that's what we're talking about sectarianism would be you'd be sectarian if you just sit within your context and don't really meet anybody outside of your bubble i suppose so we we're keen to get outside our our local bubble
1: now that makes sense uh so then meaning intergenerationally at a local church then also trying to extend those kind of lessons that you're learning there across other forms of ministry and other people and other other Christians throughout Australia. You also mentioned that training is super important for that. How did that come about and like what was your thinking in regards to why that was so important?
0: Yeah, so uh, in Sydney we're really blessed to have some fantastic Bible colleges and some theological colleges like as us as Anglicans we've got more college and we've got Youth Works College. We've also got a college in Sydney that I attended called Sydney Missionary and Bible College, so there's great Bible colleges. But there's a guy called Cole Marshall who we became friends with, and Cole was uh, a guy who started a program called MTS, which was Ministry Training Scheme, and his idea was that local church ministry training would also be a really good stepping stone for people to get into Bible College, and it'd also be good to equip people. And um, back in the day, the Ministry Training Scheme had been going for a little while, and I went and had a chat with Cole. Me and Matt Redman went along and talked to Cole Marshall, and. Cole encouraged us to think about doing local church training and we felt sort of permission to experiment with some new things that were actually going to help our young people to think about whether God was calling them to ministry in the local church at Glymer Anglican or even to go elsewhere, uh, going to Bible college. And so we started a training program we called Berea and we called it Berea because Berea was based on Acts 17 where Paul goes to a town called Berea and he finds that the Bereans had a really good character. They were really convicted that Jesus was Lord after they searched the scriptures that they loved so much. And we thought that was a really cool name for uh, our leadership of our church to be Bereans and for people who were going to get into um, Bible college training as well. And so we started this Berea program in the church. We are also influenced by a training model called Labrie, which was developed by Francis Schaeffer just after the Second World War over in Switzerland, which was a community approach to training, which again, some of the Bible colleges were doing that as well in Sydney. But in our local church, we thought, uh, why don't we get together and have like a lounge room session where we sit down and talk about ministry and life and give young people who just left school and were at university the opportunity to think through who they wanted to be in their lives. And because of that uh, Berea training that we've done, we were able to teach the shock absorber model of ministry to our young leaders so they understood it but also introduce them to the idea of theological study at a Bible college too. So I'm really excited that over 20 years of doing Berea in our church, we saw over 20 people go into full-time ministry outside of Sorrel Bible Church, as well as a number of our leaders from the church as, as part-time or full-time paid staff mm. or even volunteers. Lots of volunteers did Berea as well. That's yeah,
1: pretty, that's pretty good. I didn't realize it was that many
0: people. Um, but if you're doing, you're doing
1: Berea... Um, how did those kind of lounge room discussions
0: start um, furthering developing the way you were doing ministry? Yeah, that's a really good question because basically those... Conversations were also inspired when I was in the early 90s. When I was doing a PhD, I was um, a tutor at New South Wales University for a while, and had a really good lecturer that I was working for in the General Studies Department at University of New South Wales, and he was training me about his way of thinking about teaching. And he used to talk about this idea of de-emphasizing the expert. So instead of going in to be the expert to just pass on knowledge one way, but you, you know, go in as the teacher to learn as well as to share. And so I used to take that approach in the Berea courses and give the students an opportunity to help develop the ideas of Soul Revival together. So, for example, Soul Revival has a number of values that we used to throw around in the Berea times that we (laughs) kind of collaboratively built up together over time. Um, We would talk about the shock absorber, practically all the time because there'd be things that would change in our context like if we started in a factory and then the time when we moved out of the factory later on in the late 2000s we sit around with the Berean interns and say well what do you think how's that going to impact our ministry together so we would actually work together collaboratively in that course and I think that was helping us to build a really solid ministry that was a collaborative effort from literally over 100 people over the years that worked together on it.
1: Yeah, I went through it I, I, but I was thinking it's almost like applying the shock absorber model within a training context as well. Like you're doing yeah. exactly the same thing. So you're yeah. doing it outside the training context in terms of people that are just coming in throughout this whole revival ministry but also the people that are really keen on leading then you're also getting a different perspective from them mm. and just influencing the mm. ministry for at the same time as well. Yeah, that's it. But that's, so that's a lot.
0: You're doing quite a lot <laughs> this time. Yeah. Are, you, are you guys getting burnt out a little bit? Uh, well, at the end of the 90s we started getting a bit tired because we'd been we'd given it a good, you know, 9 years of going to church on Sunday night being in a Bible study, having a leadership meeting, because remember, 90% of the people who were in our leadership team had only been Christians for a few years, so we needed to have the context of training weekly through a leadership meeting as well on Wednesdays. And then we had the youth group we were running on Friday night, and then we were getting together on Saturday. So we had an idea that we went to our senior minister in the late 90s and said, would it be possible to merge the Saturday night and the Sunday night together? So we actually were spending a little less time doing the ministry. Uh, it didn't work out that that was practical at Geimer Anglican, but Menai Anglican, that were running a soul revival model and a shock absorber model at Menai by this stage approached their church and they did do that and found that to be a really exciting experiment and uh, years later which we'll get to in future podcasts when we became a church we decided to plant on Saturday night so that we could uh, actually not have such a high impact on people still have a really good meaningful ministry but not as many nights of the week out yeah, that makes a lot of sense. Um, because if
1: you're doing so much stuff, you got you got to be careful of obviously people's physical and mental well-being at the same time. Yeah, exactly. Because then they they're not really serving Jesus as as well as they could. Uh, that's been a really uh, wide-ranging podcast, so we might leave it there for today. But um, thank you very much, Stu. I've really enjoyed that one because I've learnt so much <laughs> during the, just these 48 minutes that we've been recording. <laughs> so thank you so much. And um, we'll get uh, back into it very soon. More content to come soon because of the coronavirus, guys. So thank you very much, Stu. Yeah, thanks,
0: Joel. Been, been all fun. See you,
1: mate. See ya. thanks so much for listening to the shock absorber podcast uh, we really appreciate your support and being interested in listening to what we have to say as a model of ministry that we uh, like to practice here at soul revival church now if you would like to get in contact with us or have any questions around what we're doing or would like some help in trying to implement the kind of things that we're talking about please get in touch i'm joel mcmaster on twitter and instagram and Stu is Stu crawshaw on instagram and twitter and you can also get Stu on email at Stuart at SawRevivalChurch so dot Thanks very much.